Hey y'all, this is May, and I want to welcome you to Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. I drop a new episode every other week discussing murders from the year 1990 through 1999 on this season. I also have a Patreon that has episodes drop on my off weeks where you can enjoy more Texas content. There are a few ways you could help support me and my show. You can subscribe to my Patreon for just $5 a month, or I have a link where you can buy me a coffee. However, there is a free option that is actually really helpful to me in my podcast to go and rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps my show get noticed by more people. I really enjoy creating this podcast, and for all who listen, any support is greatly appreciated. Now on to today's story, which is of a male murderer from 1993. So grab you some Whataburger and open that Dr. Pepper. Let's go back in time to Texas true crime. In 1993, Kim Campbell became the first female prime minister of Canada. That same year, the U.S. Brady Bill was signed into law, requiring background checks of prospective buyers. Another thing that happened in 1993 was a stray bullet that ruined a family's life. Please join me in walking down Erie Lane. On the night of December 27, 1993, 37-year-old Kevin Ruiz Bacon went with his wife Cindy and two daughters, 4-year-old Amber and 2-year-old Robin, to the Irving Mall in Irving, Texas, to buy tickets for a concert at Billy Bob's Texas. They sat down in the crowded food court to eat pizza when their enjoyable meal together turned to tragedy after gunshots were fired in the mall. Kevin Ruiz Bacon died from a gunshot wound to the head. Two others were injured in the shooting, 18-year-old Richard Clark and 19-year-old Christopher Bagley. Although Bacon was hit by a stray bullet, Clark and Bagley were intentionally hit by the gunman. Clark was shot in the stomach and butt and Bagley was shot in the right thigh. The shooting happened only minutes after a verbal confrontation between Clark, Bagley, and the gunman on the escalator. Ten minutes earlier. Clark and Bagley were on the mall escalator when a group of Hispanic youths began to stare at them. Bagley turned to Clark, stating that the group were throwing gang signs. The two groups of teens yelled out to each other, asking what the other was doing. And then that seemed to be it. Clark and Bagley made their way over to the food court and sat down with their friends. A few minutes later, Clark looked up and saw a gun pointed toward him. He was shot once in the stomach while sitting down, and then shot again while he was trying to run away. Bagley was hit in the thigh 
and then was seen flipping over tables and beginning to run after the shooter, looking in a rage. Cindy Bacon saw the guy with the gun, believing it to be a toy gun at first, and then heard gunshots. She threw her daughters under the bench and laid on top of them, waiting for her husband, Kevin, to say it was okay to come out. Sadly, Kevin Bacon was hit by a stray bullet and was killed instantly in the shooting. After the shooting, the police questioned 20 to 30 witnesses, but none could identify the youths involved in the shooting. The witnesses did say that the gunman and his companion were 16 to 18 years old and were seen driving away in a car described as a charcoal gray Chevrolet Camaro or Pontiac Firebird. But police could not give any identifying characteristics of the youths sought in the shooting. It wasn't until 10 days later on January 6, 1994, that arrests were made. Five members of a Dallas gang were arrested for the Irving Mall shooting. Three adults, 18-year-old Gilberto Perez, 18-year-old George Anthony Salinas, 17-year-old Sammy Benavides, and two juveniles, 16-year-old Juan Antonio Rodriguez and 15-year-old George Barrera. The gang that they were a part of was called Midnight Dreamers. 15-year-old Barrera had a hearing to decide if he would be tried as an adult, but the judge decided to try him as a juvenile, and Barrera, the one who retrieved the gun from the car and handed it to Salinas, ended up pleading guilty and was sentenced to 22 years in prison, and where he would go to a juvenile youth facility until he turned 18, at which point a judge would decide if he would be paroled or transferred to an adult prison. Gilberto Perez pled guilty to aggravated assault and was sentenced two years in prison. Sammy Benavides pled guilty to aggravated assault and was sentenced to five years probation. George Anthony Salinas, who went back in the mall with the shooter, pled guilty and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. However, 16-year-old Juan Antonio Rodriguez, the shooter, went to trial, and it was decided that he would be tried as an adult. His trial started in July 1994. At trial, Rodriguez's statement was read. It stated, Gunfire erupted because a teen kept flashing gang signs, and that made me extremely mad. Salinas stuffed the gun in his waistband, and when we walked back in the mall and saw the Irving teens, who were seated in the crowded food court, Salinas pulled out the gun and I grabbed it from his hand. I pulled the trigger, but the gun wouldn't fire. I finally got the gun off of safety and pointed it at the black guy. I shot the teen when he wouldn't go outside to fight. I shot the guy sitting down. I shot him in the chest, I think. Then Salinas yelled at me, Let's go! Let's go! We then ran toward the exit and jumped in the back seat of the getaway car and sped off. Rodriguez was found guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm.
2017, another mall shooting occurred at Rolling Oaks Mall in San Antonio, Texas. On Sunday, January 22, 2017, around 3 p.m., two masked men entered the food court entrance of Rolling Oaks Mall and made their way to the K Jeweler store. One had a gun and was waving it around, and the other came into the store with a hammer and started smashing the glass counter. A man by the name of Jonathan Murphy and his wife were getting their wedding rings cleaned when the robbers came in. During the robbery, another shopper carrying a gun intervened and began shooting at the suspects. Bullets started flying, and Murphy stepped in front of his wife and others and ended up getting hit with several bullets. A male and a female were also wounded in the shooting. Another woman suffered a heart attack, and a woman went into labor at the scene. The bystander, Ryan Brockett, who was licensed to carry a concealed weapon, shot and wounded one of the suspects, and he was captured at the scene and taken to San Antonio Military Medical Center in critical condition. The second robber got away. The other suspect was caught that night after he was involved in a car crash in Converse, Texas. At the time of the crash, he was driving a stolen car when it wrecked in the area of Loop 1604 in Coppergate. He fled from the scene as well, but police tracked him down later that night. Two weapons were recovered by police in Converse. The two suspects in this case are Jose Rojas and Jason Pareto. Jose was the one who shot and killed Jonathan Murphy and was also shot himself and taken into custody right away. And Jason was the one who was caught after crashing a stolen car. In April 2018, Jose Rojas pled guilty to murder and also pled no contest to an aggravated robbery charge and was sentenced to life plus 20 years. Jason Pareto is still awaiting trial. In 2020, Amy Murphy, the wife of the man who was shot and killed during the robbery, filed a lawsuit against Rolling Oaks Mall. In the lawsuit, it alleges the mall failed to post signs at all entrances saying guns were not allowed. Attorneys claim if they had, a good Samaritan never would have brought his gun inside and never would have tried to stop the robbery. It is unclear if this lawsuit ever reached a settlement. In the show notes, I will link the FBI video that shows what one can do in an active shooter situation. But there is audio from that video I will play for you now. These two cases show how unexpected these shootings can be, and being prepared can only help. Remember, run, hide, or fight. Run. Wherever you go, be aware of alternate exits. Quickly and cautiously evacuate in a direction away from the attacker. Don't hesitate. Seconds matter. Remember windows and emergency exits. Leave belongings behind. 
Keep your empty hands raised and clearly visible when exiting a building. Follow all instructions from the police. Don't stop until you're sure you've reached a safe location. Hide. If there is no safe escape route, find a good hiding place. Lock and barricade the door. Silence cell phones. Prepare a defense plan. Fight. Fight only as a last resort. Use available objects as improvised weapons. Use teamwork and surprise. A coordinated ambush can incapacitate an attacker. You're fighting for your life. Don't fight fair. Stop the bleed. A victim can die of uncontrolled blood loss in five minutes or less. Apply pressure or a tourniquet to control severe bleeding. Go to fbi.gov survive to learn more. I want to say a huge thank you to newspapers.com, ksat.com, and all the other great resources that helped me get all the information for this episode. I'll put a link to their work in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. Next episode, I'll be detailing a female murderer from the year 1994. If you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to my Patreon to hear an episode from me every week. I would also love for you to hit the subscribe button and for you to rate and review my podcast on iTunes, as it really does help out. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at crimesofadecade at gmail.com.